Ashley Brock, Diana Palmer, book, Merciless, Chapter 13. The funeral home chapel was very crowded. Almost all the employees of the San Antonio FBI field office who knew John showed up. Half the Jacobsville, Texas Police Department was on hand, and so were members of various other federal agencies who knew the very popular brothers. I hadn't counted on so many people, John told Kilray, but as they sat in the front few with Winnie and Joseph, not to worry, I've got several people watching, and I've gotten court ordered wiretaps as well. Kilraven replied quietly. Now that we have some solid leads, we're going to blow the case wide open. Jocelyn was looking over her shoulder. Her eyes only popped. I don't believe it. The others followed her wide eyed stare. Oh, Moreau was just walking in the son of a Kilraven muttered and started to get up. Expression was homicidal. John pulled him down. Don't you dare, he said, sir. Cammy will come back and haunt us both. He killed my baby girl, killed him. He's only been accused, not convicted, John reminded. You're an officer of the law. You can't touch him. Get a grip. Killed him and subsided, but not happily. And the oddest thing happened. Harold Monroe, shifty eyed and uncomfortable. But determined, walked down the aisle to where the family was sitting and stopped right in front of Kilraven. I didn't kill her, he said in a low tone, glancing around to make sure he wasn't overheard. John scrubbed. What? Moira went down on one knee. He was flushed and nervous, constantly looking around him. I know, you think, I've done it all. I ain't smart. I help some poor kids get work. You think it's bad the way I do it? But listen, I ain't never killed nobody, especially not no little kid. The brothers were just staring at him, don't they? And no ladies either. He had a gruff leg ice at the casket. You bragged to another jailbird that you killed my daughter. Kilraven said, barely restraining the urge to throttle the man in front of witnesses. He even fingered the murder weapon. Yeah, so they'd find it. I put it where I was told to. I was scared. You told them smart guys to look at the prints on the shells that was in it. I didn't take the shells out. You see, I left them. I figured when I got a chance, I'd make it right. That little girl, that poor little kid. A monster with a conscience. The spellbound audience was exchanging puzzled glances. He said he'd kill my wife. She's all I got. She's smart. She works in the library. She never heard nobody. Hey, you, John Oscar, you look at them prints on their shelves, you'll see you. And he's got a kid. She's crazy like him. He had asked He took her along with him when well, she wasn't seen. He didn't want her stepdaddy to find out. She could get information from him. See, well, you check them prints, then you find out where she was the night your little girl got shot. Check where she was when he glanced at the casket and goes, well, you'll see who You'll see a lot. You confessed on tape. Kill Raven said, Yeah, I did. I knew the guy was what? How? How? Monroe said, I can't say. I said enough already. I set it up so I could be accused and maybe they wouldn't think I'd told on them. I could, I could say, you know, that I was willing to take the rap for if they leave my wife alone. You know, they'll kill me in a heartbeat if they find out I told you this. Like hell they will. Kilraven motioned to a man in a suit and meow, and for this is Harold Monroe. Told the man, if he dies, we'll come after you. We're a pickup truck at night wearing ninja gear. Get the picture. The man choked. Yeah. Monroe's eyes bulged. You're protecting me? I'm out on bond on a murder charge. I even confessed. We'll get the charges dropped, John said quietly. 
If you testify the way you know, we'll see what we can do for you on the other charges. If you stop trying to exploit kids, else, I ain't smart enough to make money any other way, but hey, I guess I can move to Vegas and become a pimp. Take red children to see too. John shook his head. We're only for you want to do some more checking with San Antonio PD. He had an one with a guy who's fingerprints on the shelves and that shotgun. He's related to Jay Cooper, but I never told you that. You found it out. Killer is not God, Murrow. This is going to ruin your rep in local crime circles if it ever gets out. You ain't telling nobody. He's like, oh, God, that's Killer is my. We'll do what we can for you, John said his eyes on. Why well, come forward now? I was going to let the evidence on that shotgun turn the trip, but I was afraid it might fall through the cracks, especially when Mrs. Blackhawk got killed. Then I knew I had to say something. She was a great lady, he said. She, see, my dad got sent to prison for murder a long time ago. He was young and his mom had cancer and he needed medicine he couldn't pay for. When he got out, your family hired him. Gave him a job. Trusted him. Nobody else would. So I'll call him your father, John. Explains John. Yeah, but he never married my mom. He wanted to, but she didn't believe in that stuff. Kind of a hippie, see? Anyway, I made sure nobody knew because I didn't want him to lose his job. He knew about me. He's a good man, John said quietly. He was still really from the inefficiency of the detectives who'd done the background check on the phone call and missed this connection. Yes, and she was a good woman, Monroe said, knowing toward the casket. She made you hire him. She didn't know about me either, but she was good to my dad. If I'd known they were going to do that, I'd have told my dad, and he'd have watched her. You made threatening phone calls. Mommy, Monroe replied with evidence. You were just doing your job when you arrested me. No call to kill a man for that. I don't hold grudges. That's why I called you, to show you I didn't hold it against you. Just wanted to know I was out. Then who? Check the prints on them shelves, bro. Said again. That's all I, uh. Oh, God. He was looking toward the back of the church. The young blood woman had walked in and was looking at him with cold eyes. Got those feet flushed. Get him out of here. John told the undercover agent. We heard a worried Monroe out the back door of the chapel. Quick. He told us nothing. Kill Raven cautioned the others. The blonde came up to the family looking compassionate and sincere. I'm so sorry about your mother, she said in Leon. Thanks, Phyllis. John said with a subdued smile. We appreciate you coming to the service. A lot. Kill Raven added when he nodded. Yes, just with a greeted smile warmly. The woman gave him a shrewd appraisal. Wasn't that Moreau man who was arrested for trafficking? What was he, Xavier? Gloating. God, John said. Coldly. Kill Raven was going to punch him, but John wouldn't let him. Jasmine added curtly. After all, he's done and dared to show up here. The young woman shrugged, but she couldn't hide the little relief in her eyes. Well, I just wanted to say sorry about Mrs. Blackhawk. She had such a pity. Gosh, your family has had some real tragedies, hasn't it? Some real tragedies, Kilraven said quietly. And now one more to add to it, he indicated the casket. Must have been devastating. Excuse me. Do they have any idea who might have done it? I mean... Moreau man made threats, didn't he? Betty told me about the phone call. She had to put lots of threats, Jones and he's going to pay for them very soon. She smiled. Good. I hope he does. See you all at the office then. Yes, John, thanks for coming. You're very welcome. She looked at the castle with all curiosity, smiled with him, and walked back to 
have a seat in the back of the chapel. The Blackhawks looked at each other but said nothing. John gripped Jocelyn's hand tightly in his own as the music began and clear. Sweet voice began to sing Cammy's favorite gospel song, Amazing Grace. Despite all his best efforts to keep his emotions under control, John's eyes were wet as the last strong note ended on the song, but so were those of everyone else in the chapel. The crime lab was far ahead of John when he spoke to Alice Mead for the Jones Fowler, the chief investigator, but the prints on the murder weapon. Sure, we got those prints first thing. Criminals always overlooked something obvious. Monroe's prints were on the barrel, but something else, someone else's prints were on the shelves. Not too smart. Put them back in the gun after they've been fired. Alice, you always put empty shells in the chamber when you store a shotgun, John said chipping. Yes, I know that. I meant that he put the same shells he used with his fingerprints all over them, she whispered. I was checking to make sure you knew that. Alice. Anyway, yes, they were prints, and they belonged to Bart Hancock. It was what John had thought all along. Harold Monroe was an idiot. He'd never killed anyone or even been connected with murders. Most criminals didn't step outside their comfort zones. Monroe brought and sold children, which was reprehensible, but he wasn't a killer. Now what? John asked, thinking aloud. Now you get a search warrant for Alice. Hey, I was just thinking aloud. Honest. I know the FBI doesn't need to be led by the hand in a murder investigation. She chuckled as she did <laughs> sobered. Sorry about your mother, by the way. That was such a shock. I mean, it never occurred to any of us that she'd be a target. You should have, I feel guilty. You're human, Blackhawk, he said. Don't beat yourself over the head. Yes, I guess so. If you can connect the murder weapon to Hancock, you've got pretty good case of circumstantial evidence. I think there are other fingerprints on the shelf, just a partial, but when we ran them through the database, we didn't get even one hit. That is odd, John. Any ideas? None. If you can make Hancock talk, he might tell you. I ruled out Dan Jones, by the way. His prints were on the shelf. Even odder. John was thinking lengthy. I may have something even better to chink the case. What? Oh no, I'm not telling you. Next thing I know, we'll be in Hollywood pitching a murder mystery to some pretty dang full kin. Oh no, I'm not telling you. Next thing I know. Dang fooled again. Are you working my mother's case? Yes. Well, I thought I was. But they won't let me into the hotel room. Marquis said they had another investigator working on it. Odd, he thought again. Marquis usually asked for Jones Fowler, which was a married name. She married Harley Fowler, the son of a U.S. senator. I guess I was late on the scene, she said. I guess. If you need help, I'll call and thanks. No problem. He was now certain that Hancock was responsible for Melly's death and also for Cameron Blackhawks. What Hancock's daughter had to do with either case was still new to us, but, but John was going to make sure the man didn't sleaze out of the new charges. So when he phoned Rick Marquis to request copies of the police who were on his mother's death, he was shocked to run into Rick Wall. No, Rick said I want. No, John was thinking back. Not yet. All I want is the preliminary report. Not yet, Rick said. I know this case is personal with you. That's why I'm not giving you anything, especially crime scene photos. I could get a warrant. Yes, you could, and I'd find a judge to deny it. Maybe the same judge who let Monroe out of bail. Speaking of Monroe, we can't find him anywhere. Do you know anything about that? Who, me? John asked, why would I know? 
He was speaking to you at the funeral home, and then he vanished. Strange, John said evenly. Isn't it? John drew in along that. I spoke to Alice Jones. Alice Fowler? Yes, she said that they checked the fingerprints on the shells and the murder weapon and the murder of my niece. That's true. You can tell the evidence right now for a warrant to arrest Bart Hancock. Good luck getting to him, John said cool. Isn't he at his uncle's place in the Bahamas? We heard he was. Extradition is going to be a lengthy progress, even with evidence. It was a long process. Yes? John felt alarm bells going off in the back of his mind. What's going on, Marquis? He asked suddenly. What do you think? Why do you think something's going on? Just the feeling. I can't tell you anything. Can't or won't. Both? There was a what? There was a cover. Sorry, gotta go. We'll keep you posted on the investigation. And I'm sorry about you, Mona. Yeah, so are we. John said heavenly. I'll be in touch. He hung up. John was slow putting down the phone. There was a click. With a slow smile, he reached for a button and pushed it. Things were beginning to look up. I absolutely can't believe Harold Moreau coming up to us at the funeral and denied he was responsible. She also told John that evening at her apartment where they watched their son draw a picture of a camel. He'd see it on a news program. I can't either, John, but I'm glad. Me too. I think we may solve more than one murder when all the evidence is collected. He said, I work for the FBI, so does my brother, and immediately, and neither of us knew that Monroe's father worked at the ranch. If we had known with his record, I'm sure we would have blamed him for Candy's murder. I can understand why. I suppose even criminals have some odd sense of honor. She brushed her hand with a remark he's back here. You really can draw, my baby. <laughs> yes, you can. John took the pencil away from him, picked him up, and placed him on his lap. You look somewhat like me, he said in a deep fake tone. Amazing that I never noticed before. <laughs> You're a lot bigger than me, Marky said and giggled when John took him in. John hugged the boy one. I love being a father. Ow, Daddy, you squeezing me, Marky complained. John chuckled and let him escape back to the table where his pencil and paper were lying. Of all the surprises of my life, this was the nicest, he said sighing. He looked at Jocelyn, loving the sweetness of her expression, the familiarity of it. You should have told me. He added, but in a tender tone. You know why I didn't? She caught his big hands in her. I thought it would destroy your life and hurt your career. And I knew your mother would do everything in her power to keep us from you. She really was a kind of person under that gruff interior. I was only just getting to know her. I'm so sorry I didn't have the time. So am I. There's a hole in the world. And in your heart, she added, sat down and slapped him. Time will help him heal. He held her close, burying his face in the dirt. Yes. Are you sad, Daddy? Murphy asked, coming up on the side. It's because my grandma died, isn't it? Yes, it hurts. Mommy! She was mean at first, and then she bought us ice cream. <laughs> now I won't have a grandma anymore. She would have spoiled and rotten. John said to Mark, he'd gone back to show. Yes. She turned over and slapped the side. I wonder what Rick Marquise is up to. He murmured. What do you think he's up to? He won't let me see the police report on Cammy's dad. She's like, he won't. He had him. Did you get it? Now, those are protected files. They hide firewalls you get. And you can hack anything. She burst her lips. Her eyes were full. Most anything. She agreed. Will you? 
If you'll bring Marky to visit me in prison, she said under her breath, tongue and I'll get you the best criminal lawyer in San Antonio. He promised. She got, okay, I'll use a false identity and cross my fingers. We went to the computer on the dining room table, sat down to turn on the power. Ten minutes later, she went back to John Cross. It was wrong. There are no files. He was like, what? <laughs> no files at all. No photos. No evidence forms. Nothing. That's not possible. It's a murder case. I know, but nothing has been filed. He was thinking, working his mind. It's only been a few days. Perhaps they haven't had time to upload photos or other evidence. He didn't answer him. Took out his cell phone and called him. Mac, there are no files in Candy Murder. As you let Jocelyn into a life of cybercrime, John hack protected police files in the reply. Yes, no files, you say. Exactly. I'll dig around and let you know what I find. He hung up. <coughs> Max wouldn't try to us. This is confusing. Jocelyn was chewing on the facts herself. Pilgrim even hadn't been allowed into the hotel room when Cammy died. There had been two strange men at the funeral home, and John said that the funeral director had been disconcerned when they mentioned an open casket at the service. Now there were no files in the case. She added up those facts and pronounced a conclusion that didn't dare voice. John had reached the same conclusion. They looked at each other without speaking. They would have been no reason to stay this and said for both of them. Unless they have knowledge of a plot to kill her and set it up to save her, he replied. Maybe to get evidence that could get be used against the would-be shooter and give them time to do more checking. Exactly. This heart looked in some way. It might not be the tragedy he expected. Cammy might still be alive and hiding, and Marquis had forbidden any knowledge of it to John or Jocelyn because he suspected someone working with him. Someone might accidentally find out that it was a setup. Jocelyn gripped John's hand tight. We could be wrong, she said. There are plenty of circumstantial things that were co concocted into a theory. I know that. Is my apartment bug you think? She if it is, we both know. We bugged it, he replied. And the killer can't have planted any listening devices here. They they have been removed. John's cell phone rang and he answered Yes, it's booked. Yes, someone did plot listening to bosses, but I found them all. A deep voice with a court South African accent replied. There was a chuckle. Your conclusions are very interesting, but I have to say, nothing to affirm more than either correctness. You'll have to sit back and wait for the results, like the rest of us. Where is Long Kong? In a safe place, he put his own life on the line to help us with our project. There's a very dangerous person out there, John said quietly. You have no idea, Rook replied Tessie. We made some disturbing discoveries. I can't say anymore. Because somebody watching my brother and his wife. Yes, yes. Also, you and Jocelyn and the boy. All right, but I'll remember, I'll remind you that I do work for the primary law enforcement agency in this country. Which would get you caught a block in this investigation, except that you have one or more suspects in your very own office. One or more, John burst out. I can't say anymore. Don't try to pump Mark Keys. He added, I trained him in counter-espionage myself. He's incorruptible. Damn, young man. You'll like the results. Be patient. John sighed. Very well. Thanks, Rook. Some more things may happen tomorrow, Rook had replied. Be on your guard. Don't go anywhere alone. Make sure Jocelyn doesn't leave the building without you. What about my son? John asked. We have two agents at the school, he replied. They'll be safe. I'll give you my word, and I don't give it lightly.
You better be. Oh, one other thing, he added. Yes. There was a pause. John heard someone else speaking in a taunt firm tone. Luke came back and went, I can't say anything else. Trust me, I have your best interests at all. Didn't Napoleon make such a statement just before Waterloo? John wondered aloud. That's your brother's thing, military history, not yours. He was reminded of everything. Get a good night's sleep. You're going to need it. He hung up. John looked at Jocelyn and then at his son was real worried. Didn't know what or how much to tell Jocelyn. He only hoped whoever was orchestrating this developing plot knew what they were doing. He wished he knew what it was. End of chapter 13.